Hello and welcome to our very first interview of the True Spectrum project. My name is Anastasia and I created this project to empower people to see the world through new lenses and step out of the single narratives which are created by the media by just taking advantage of the diverse society we live in and uh, being attentive to stories of those around us. And the first story which will be shared in this project is the one of Zhenya, uh, of one of my friends whom, uh, with whom we met uh, during the German course, one half or something like this years ago. And I think it's very symbolic because uh, partially this idea was born uh, thanks to um, our conversations uh, during lunch breaks, our conversations which were about everything in the world, about many world issues and uh, new perspectives and the news and our stories as well. And I'm actually very, very grateful for all of those conversations. They kind of managed to make me helpless and at the same time, very hopeful. And I'm really, really happy that you're here today and uh, continue sharing your story, not just um, during lunch break, but also in the project and that you are the, the first one here. And maybe let's uh, start our interview with just you introducing uh, yourself to those of our listeners who don't know you yet. Part one, your story. Truth through my lenses. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you very much for your introduction first. I still remember the food in the canteen that we, we were eating. I think it was better just to talk about something than to eat this food, but it's another topic. So, uh, yeah, my name is Eugeni in Belarusian, or Zhenia, as you said. Um, my family calls me just Zhenia. Um, I'm from Belarus. I was born in a small town called Slutsk, not that far away from Minsk, just 100 kilometers. Um, I'm 20 years old. I came to Germany two years ago, um, and now I'm studying in Lüneburg, also a small town, um, not far away from Hamburg. It's Niedersachsen, uh, land of Germany. So, um, yeah, I'm studying international business and political science, science as minor, and I'm happy to be here today uh, and, of course, to share my story. Um, but I need to say that I'm sure that uh, in Belarus, particularly in my country, there are a lot of similar stories um, because of the recent events, or events that are still ongoing. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you again for taking time to come here and for taking the part in the interview. Uh, so coming from Belarus and living in Germany, kind of being in two seemingly parallel realities uh, at the same time. Would you mind sharing with us your story? How does it feel like and what kind of challenges or opportunities do you come across during this journey? Yeah, that's a good question, and a good point, I think that those realities, they're very different in terms of education, in terms of life here. Because uh, I feel Belarus is still kind of island um, in the center of Europe where the Soviet Union exists in terms of school system, in terms of university system. Uh, so I need to say my journey started, my journey to Germany, started unexpected because I was studying in the Belarusian University in Minsk, in the capital. Uh, it's called Belarusian National Technical University. I was doing economics there, business management. And um, to be honest, it was not that easy at that time because um, I started studying in September 2020. Uh, after the presidential election that happened in August, uh, 9th of August. And the whole protest um, movement was still going on at that time. And uh, it was just in the air. You could feel that 
And of course, in the university, because students are always considered to be the most um, active part of all these movements. So I started studying in September and the first day, usually in our universities, uh, compared also to German universities, we still have an official meeting or an official event before the beginning of a study year where um, all the administration of the university comes to us and starts talking about our future and stuff. Then we listen to a Belarusian anthem, <laughs> a look at the Belarusian flag and stuff. It's still, I think, inherited from the Soviet Union. And we had the same actually at school where on the first day uh, you were doing all this official things. Uh, but there was also an official part afterwards uh, and namely a meeting or demonstration of students that was called um, by different student organizations, trade unions. Um, and after that we came to we came together, we met up um, in the center of Minsk and wanted to just go and demonstrate. And of course, um, the police was trying to prevent us from that, um, was on our way, but it was amazing. I mean, the whole feeling of unity, the whole feeling of um, liberty, because like youth, they don't actually think about the police, about the police staying on the way. They just go, they just go further. And I was a part of this, um, of the, of this whole uh, demonstration. And I was um, arrested on that day. Um, I was arrested and I wasn't put in prison, but I spent, I think, five hours in the police station. And just to understand a bit the context at that time in September, the beginning of September, um, it wasn't that harsh in terms of um, arrests and uh, different stuff. So like the government was still hoping, I think that it's going it's just just gonna go away after some time that we're just gonna get tired or something like that and it wasn't that harsh because nobody nobody beat us nobody did anything wrong apart from like we were staying in front of the wall for five hours but it's um uh, the least that could happen i think so um yeah and then it was released to be honest i hadn't um, hadn't gotten any consequences after that. Like in my university, of course, I know that university got this information because they usually do when someone gets arrested. Uh, but for me personally, it was okay. Um, but then I got arrested one more time. It was, I think, in March um, 2021. Yeah, I was arrested there. It was an official meeting of the trade unions, of uh, the student trade union. I was arrested again. Of course, like between that time, I was somehow active, um, trying to organize, trying to share the information about the whole stuff. And I was actually, I was under control in the university. I said that at the beginning, nothing happened, but then they were just coming to our lectures and seminars and they were checking if I was there. Um, I was under under this special control. Um, and then after the second arrest, of course, um, I was told that, you know, it would be better if you leave the university, uh, you wouldn't uh, get any problems for us because we also need to, you know, um, check with the others and like, we need to talk to the whole police and um, all the other officials that don't want to see you here in this university. Um, like the whole argument all the time was that, you know, you are studying for free, you're getting this education from the state. I was also getting scholarship, uh, but it was nothing, I mean, compared to scholarship, for example, here in Germany, because it was, I think, like 20 euros, something like that in a month. It just to show that we get something. I mean, you couldn't get or buy anything in Belarus, even in Belarus for this money, but it just like a sign of giving us something. 
and I was told all the time, you know, you're studying here for free, you got dormitory, you don't need to pay for that a lot, you're getting this education. And I need to say, like, it somehow affected me as well, because, um, I don't know, I felt, I felt confused sometime. I thought maybe I'm still doing something wrong in terms of that. Maybe, um, yeah, I just, I just think like maybe I need to get more context of Belarus and what happened there, like what we were doing, what was our goal. Because after the election in 2020 that was falsified by Lukashenko, the first and the only president of Belarus, um, we started protesting again that. Because like to understand that it's not only because of this election, it's because of the whole system that showed its incompetence and its uh, stupidness during the corona time, because uh, corona happened right before the election. Um, we were not protected. We were not getting any help. Um, I was still going to school at that time, and the school system wasn't able to provide us with online education and stuff. That's why it was it was just like visible that this system doesn't work. Um, of course, many people understood that before, but at that time, I think everyone got that it's not going to work anymore. That's why we're still sure and we were sure at that time that Lukashenko didn't win this election and couldn't win that. And of course, for us as young people, seeing all these old bureaucrats that are still trying to grab some power or stay in power uh, was very difficult. That's why we students, as I said, the most active part of every society, I think, uh, that's why we were protesting. Um, and as I said, I became a part of independent trade union at my university. We were trying to organize some campaigns. Um, they were actually peaceful, like they were aimed at um, reforming educational system. They were aimed at just like giving some rights to students because they were talking they were talking about the whole educational system but like it doesn't work i mean i i need to say i got a very good dormitory very good room for the first year student but some of my um colleagues were living in a house that were, that was built in in the 50s or in the 60s uh so like it's it's been like 78 years old and um you don't have anything there but every student has has the right for that and has the right to talk about that or to complain at least. That's something we're trying to do. And um, when the time passed, uh, the whole uh, repressive system was, ga was getting more and more oppressive. Um, and the trade union, our trade union was one of the last legal organizations um of course in the sense of the government it was already illegal because we were trying to do something against against the oppression uh but we were still on paper we were still legal and then um i think yeah it was at the beginning of march uh like the whole group of people was arrested during one meeting of our trade union we were put in one police station and then not people from the police but from the KGB that we still have in Belarus um, that comes from the um, Soviet Union system and from this history um, and KGB people came to us and there were different talks you can't compare that to uh, talks with the police police um, officers because uh, they were just basically saying, you know, you don't have anything. I mean, you're sitting in a police station and 
guy that looks like from the KGB that looks like a criminal uh, talking to you saying that you are nothing here and you don't have any rights and that they can destroy you in one day and can put you in prison in one day if you continue doing something or being active. Um, but at least it was direct, I need to say, like at least you could trust them because um, they were uh, kind of fair with me saying that, you know, we don't, we don't think about you, we don't think about your future, we just need you to shut, to shut up and listen to us. So, um, yeah, that's what happened. And when I decided to come to Germany, because um, I passed all the exams in my university after the second semester, it was uh, in June 2021, I passed all the exams and I was thinking about continuing studying there in my university. Uh, but then during the exam session, I was arrested again <laughs> in my dormitory and they came to me just like in the morning. I was still sleeping. Then I woke up and saw police officers in front, in front of me. And at that time, they just wanted, I think they were just looking for someone who was active in my university because we had some telegram channels uh, that were getting some information from the administration that is supposed to be secret. And I think they were just going through all the people who were arrested at that time just to open the phone and to see uh, the information. At that time I was still 17 and um, it means that uh, once I turn 18, um, I would be sent to the army service because it's still mandatory in Belarus. Every man um, over 18 has to serve there for a year and a half. And yeah, it had happened in my university before that students were expelled and then directly sent to the army service. And that's why I thought that I would just like leave the country and find something um, in Europe. And the first thought was to go to uh, Lithuania, to Vilnius, because there is one Belarusian university in, ex in exile there. Um, it's called uh, European Humanitarian University. And I was also accepted there. I applied for it, but then um, my Belarusian trade union said that there is another uh, possibility to go to Germany to the program supported by the German trade unions and that I would also get a scholarship there. Um, that's why I decided to come to Germany and uh, in September 2021, one week before my birthday, before my 18th birthday, I came to Germany. And it was also, um, yeah, kind of difficult actually to go to the university, to my Belarusian university in the first week because I had to, so that nobody knows that I'm going to leave. And I didn't tell anyone before, before I left. Um, and I was just like going to university normally, uh, saying hello to everyone and like was, you know, showing that I would continue studying there so that's why uh yeah that that's what happened and from september 2021 now it's been two years i'm here in germany yeah i think Thank i covered you. maybe i covered so many questions already because you ask a very simple question i was like talking to 20 minutes <laughs> Yeah, but it's impossible to tell such a story in one minute, I think. So thank you so much for sharing, for all the details and for being so open. I think it's uh, it's truly a truly complicated story that can take even more than 20 minutes. And uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about um, the fact that now in Germany, the society is quite different and the reality is quite different to what you experienced in your home country. 
but it kind of i think uh, from the outside seems very like parallel that there are like no intersections but at the same time there are actually many points where uh, the realities intersect for example in the media do you feel like the situation in belarus is sufficiently covered by german media part two lessons for the global dialogue bridging the divide I don't think so. Um, it's covered only when something happens in Belarus or when Lukashenko makes a statement, I don't know, about um, nuclear weapon or something like that. Um, unfortunately, it's been not covered since some time because I understand that there are some different topics at that time. But I, I truly believe that Belarus has a very important role in Europe. Um, I know that it's been seen differently. Um, and unfortunately, here in Germany, what I also noticed, that many people just don't know anything about Belarus. Um, maybe they opened Belarus for themselves for the first time when something happened there in 2020 but before that they were just thinking like maybe it's already part of russia or something like that because even in german in the german language you would say uh, weißrussland uh, which means like um white russia uh, and after 2020 actually they're trying to change that officially and to call belarus only belarus which is also very important, I think. I support that uh, fully. Um, and I think just like to understand, um, I think it's 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 been a long story. It's not only at that time. Unfortunately, what I also noticed like watching some um, Western or American movies, uh, or some historical movies, they think that there is only Russia, that in the Soviet Union there were only Russians. Um, usually they they say, talking about some historical movies, usually they say Russians, but in the Soviet Union there were 15 nations from Lithuania to Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan, and you can't even compare um, the differences between them because they're very different in terms of the history of culture and stuff. And even Belarus that is geographically located very close to Russia um, is very different because even in the history, Belarus was part of Russia, including the Soviet Union, I think for 150 years, but Belarus was part of Europe for more than 500 years before um, was part of um, Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. And it's a long history, of course, but I think what German or um, European, Euro European media um, need to understand that Belarus is a European country, although there is this um, pro Russian regime with Lukashenko. Um, Belarusians are European in terms of values, in terms of understanding, I think, in terms of the goals. Uh, now, of course, I'm talking from my perspective as a young person. I need to say that young people in Belarus, as you also mentioned rightly, that there are some uh, common things and like in Belarus, young people, they're not actually different. They also want to, I don't know, be free and do what they want to do or study, for example, what they want to study, uh, not looking at the fact that they need to go to the army service because so many people go into the university just because they have to go to the army service if, if they don't do that. So from this perspective, I think that's something that Belarus showed in 2020 that they want to Europe 
and they've been a part of Europe. Um, that's something I think that Lukashenko didn't manage to break with his pro-Russian agenda um, or anti-democratic um, position. They want they want to be part of Europe. They want to um, study in Europe. They want to they maybe I need to say maybe they don't want to necessarily go to Europe, but they want that we we be, we 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 become more European or more pro-European because it's possible. I think it's once we do that, once we manage that, I think it's not going to take a long time till Belarus really becomes um, European. European nation, European country, and part of the European Union, because uh, as many experts from Belarus, and not only from Belarus, are saying that, you know, of course, um, I'm, I'm, I'm truly, I'm truly for for Ukraine becoming a part of the European Union. But what they're saying in the list of the countries that are candidates to become a part of or a member of the European Union, Belarus has to be in the first place. Um, in terms of, um, I don't know, education system, culture, um, economy, and different things. So um, that's, I think, should be the main narrative that I'm kind of also trying to put forward here while talking to people, while talking to, um, I don't know, professors, that um, it shouldn't be seen in the same basket with Russia and in terms of sanctions as well. Actually, a recent story, uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, the um, elected leader of Belarus and the woman that not officially, but um, actually um, won the election 2020, she gave an interview, like, I think a week ago to one Russian media. It's called Novaya Gazeta. It's like independent media, of course. I think they are also uh, now in Europe, in Berlin, and trying to, of course, I, I respect them because I've been also reading them for quite a long time. And she gave an interview to them saying that, you know, Belarusians are not same as Russians. Belarusians are against the regime, they don't support the war in any way. Um, you wouldn't find any person in Belarus that actually supports the war. Maybe some person who who's uh, fed up with propaganda, who's watching television all the time. But if you talk to this person, this person who had some um, relatives who were killed uh, in the Second World War, who I don't know, who still um, were able to talk to people, um, explain what the war actually means, they wouldn't support this war. And she said that, and then a long discussion started, I think on Twitter, or like in Russian, Belarusian media, uh, some pro-democratic forces in Russia started saying, why does she put um, Belarus in a better position than Russia, because Belarus is still aggressor, Belarus is still part of this war on the side of Russia. Why does she do? Why does she do that? Um, why does she uh, think that you know there shouldn't be any sanctions or not to this to, to the same extent as for Russia? Um, and yeah, it was quite a long discussion, but I think it's very good that Belarusians including me actually supported her in this discussion and said that, you know, um, we know what she means. We, we've been through that for two years and you, you can't and you don't need to compare that because they're not in the same position, Russia and Belarus, although they are both aggressors, they're both, as I said, um, against Ukraine, unfortunately, um, yeah, that's kind of some recent news that um, I also got uh, got 
aware of. Yeah, thank you so much for highlighting so many single narratives, which your story contradicts. <laughs> really interesting and also really shows how impactful it may be to share the story because you just talk about what you've been through and then it contradicts information which is not presented fully or not presented in the right way or not presented in a holistic way. And it's really great that you also mentioned that you are sharing your story to professors, to many people. And I think that by doing this, you kind of, you become this intersection of parallel realities because you're part of both societies now. And uh, yeah, for me personally, actually, I think you're the first person whom I met from Belarus. And it's uh, like when you know only one person from one country, like this person becomes the representative of the country, so to say. And I think it's very important that just being who we are and just sharing our stories about our background, we can actually uh, make an impact. And I think it, again, shows the importance of sharing stories. But was there, however, a time in Germany or anywhere else when you did not feel comfortable when sharing your story? Mm, of course, I think there was some time um, after the beginning of full-scale invasion, invasion of Ukraine. Um, on those days, it was... I know that maybe I um, shouldn't say that I'm from Belarus, that uh, people get very emotional and yeah, maybe sometimes you just need to just keep it for yourself, all your emotions and stuff. And of course, at the time when rockets are falling, when, I don't know, houses are being destroyed, maybe my story at that time is not that important or is not a highlight um and of course it wasn't uh but then i realized that it's something you still need to do maybe against your fear against your feeling this un uncomfortable feeling because that's something that actually sh kind of shapes um the opinion of others as well. Because if we don't talk to each other, as you said, if we don't listen to each other, because you can talk to each other without even listening, if, if you are not sharing our stories, then I think we're going to stay where we are and we can't change anything. And like that's something that I actually saw in my life and after the, after the war, began as well that once I started just like talking about that uh, when I was in Berlin as well um, at the time we were sitting in the, in the Mensa um, I was also trying to help some um, Ukrainian refugees come to Berlin because Berlin was kind of a central point for them and I was like at the train station also like talking to people I decided that that time I wouldn't um, I wouldn't kind of hide that I'm from Belarus. I would say, yes, I'm from Belarus, so that people can also see that, you know, I'm helping here. I'm not maybe that bad as as it's pictured. And I didn't get any aggression, although I expected, I was ready for that, I was prepared, but I didn't get any aggression. Like, people were listening to me. People were hearing some new information because to be honest, what also uh, made me a bit sad and maybe still makes me a bit sad that um, even in Ukraine, people were not informed kind of about what's, what was going on in Belarus. That's why they were, they were very surprised when the first rockets were fallen on Belarus or from from Ukraine from from Belarus on Ukraine uh, because they were like we thought we were, we were friends with not with us but with Lukashenko we thought that he's like a true true guy a true dictator <laughs> like um, you know like very 
responsible person who is taking care of um, of the household of the big household of Belarus. Um, that's why they were they were kind of shocked at that time. But my um, my task also while talking to people was to explain to them more and to say that you know I'm personally not surprised because it's been so many years Lukashenko was supporting Putin in everything uh, he's done um, and now he's just like on the same side and now he doesn't have any chance to keep keep his power um, only to be on the side of Putin so that's why I'm not surpri surprised of course it doesn't make him better but it's something that we could have expected and by sharing this story i think some people coming from ukraine they got my perspective they said like wow that's that's something i've never heard that's something maybe i need to um know about of course read about listen listen about so um it was also something that opened my eyes at that time but what i also need to say like in terms of the whole goal of your project uh to get these different opinions different perspective um i see there another point i think um, and i'm quite sure that we need to get different perspectives from people who seem to be bad to us who people who seem to you know for example as uh, coming from belarus of course there were there were some people um usually they're just like elderly people who would support lukashenko who'd say he's a good guy he's um he's been building our economy and our country for such a long time and the first feeling uh, actually one of my grandmothers is uh, supporting everything because uh, he's just like watching television all the time and all this propaganda she's from russia and she's like supporting the war and everything uh but like the first time was very aggressive and i was trying to be emotional I was trying to prove something I was trying to you know to say to show that to show her that she's wrong and her opinion is wrong her opinion that has has been building for i don't know 20 15 years is wrong and it's something that i think any, no one can accept just like so easy right away it's difficult when you start a discussion with someone from pointing out that this person is wrong and this person has to listen to you it's not gonna work and that's something i realized as well while talking to people while talking to my grandmother talking to people with different opinions and i think only by listening to this opposite opinion by listening to just like listening not even like discussing or uh, trying to prove something just listen to them it also shapes your own opinion and also helps you i don't know to to you know to see as you as you also mentioned to see the world through they through their view that's something i think i've been i've i found very very helpful even um when it doesn't work that well or even when i feel uncomfortable um and i still try to try to listen to them and i think at the time germany because when i was living in belarus i was still like very maximalist i was still like uh, if one person tells me he or she's for lukashenko or he or she's like thinks that it's right what happened to me for example i would just you know maybe fight this person or not even listening to him or her uh, at the time in germany during the whole discussions during the whole time of me 
explaining the situation to the others, I got this, I realized that it's important to listen to them. And now I sometimes I even uh, watch Belarusian television just to to get uh, to get the understanding of what's what's going on there. Thank you so much for sharing about so many aspects of intercultural communication, which are so, so important. I think it's great that sometimes you decide to just ignore the potentially bad feelings, which it might cause when you share your story. And that also, I feel like it really it's really visible that you learn a lot in terms of uh, communicating with each other on like complex topics. And you mentioned that one of your learnings is that starting the discussion from the fact, from the perspective that another person is wrong, is not correct. And I think it's very true. And this is actually what the true spectrum is about. The true spectrum is not saying that, hey, this is black, this is white. It's about seeing the, all the shades of the truth because everyone lives through different realities. What do you think is like other things which can make it more complicated when you talk about uh, complex topics uh, apart from starting from the belief that someone else is wrong? Mm. I think that um, it's also not very good from starting talking about only yourself if you say it's me, it's been my, my experience, um, you have to believe me, you have to listen to that. I think it would be better, of course, you need to share your experience, you can't ignore that, but I think it would be better maybe to start with the questions like, what's been your experience on this topic? What's been, what's been your emotion about that? Why is it so important for you? Why is it so emotional for you? Like, and maybe also to ask yourself first and another person, like, what's the goal of our discussion, you know? Do we want to share our opinions or do we want to, like, um, do we want to, like, change our own minds? I think nobody would say, like, I want to change your own mind. So I just, just want to share your opinion and say, let's just, like, listen to each other. Let's maybe say, I'm going to, I'm going to just, like, try to, um see the world from all this question from your perspective uh because you can share your story but i'm still gonna see it from my perspective it's like just explain explain to me why what's been your background uh why it's been so important and emotional for you and maybe that's gonna be better and maybe I could listen to you better and understand it, like realize what's 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 actually been going on in your mind. Um, and of course, I think that there should be always there should be one person that understands that that like understands the goal of this discussion and kind of try to you know when I when I come in, I say it's. It's important for me. You are, as a person, also important for me. You, as a speaker, also important for me. Just, like, share your opinion. And I think, like, the whole emotional things that can make one person angry or that can lead to conflicts will go away once you say, you are, as your opinion is already important for me. I don't want to show that it's unimportant. It's still important, even if I don't agree. That's why we are actually leading this discussion because we are we should be important to each other. Sharing sh sharing the opinions and minds is important for me. Not changing your mind and not being a teacher or um, um, a right person for you. Just like listening to you. Thank you so much. I think it's a great idea that when we share our stories, we shouldn't put ourselves in the role of the teacher and uh, treat it more like 
commu know, community building or something by just like recognizing that all opinions are important and not like we're not here to present a single source of truth and at the same time be open to what other people say. And I think it resonates a lot with the idea of global citizenship. What kind of other insights into this topic have you got throughout your journey? I think like my story is kind of um, an example of that, that although you were born in another society with another background, you still have chance to, you don't need to become like a part of an, another culture or another society. Um, like to me, global citizenship means that we have, like everyone has the same opportunity to share the stories and to respect the stories of each other, not just like to force someone to, you know, get your own ideals or values, just like to respect each other. And I think like global citizenship is um, possible only through dialogue and through, as you said, like the right way of leading discussion and respecting each other. So I think like respect, the word, the word respect is very important in this context. Um, and yeah, I think like once we start sharing our stories, mm -hmm. uh, getting some other backgrounds or reflecting on them and thinking like, what can I learn from that? Uh, how I can maybe change my perspective? Um, in my example, I think some people have changed their perspectives on Belarus once I shared my story. Um, and that's kind of what makes me, um, what makes me think about this global citizenship, uh, that in this context we are, we are all humans and we all have different backgrounds, that's why let us just like be res respectful. That's that's just like the most important thing I think in our times where there are so many uh, conflicts and where sometimes you think like is it still human beings or like we become heartless robots. Um, I think that's that's very important respect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, your story and learnings are really, really impressive. Can you come up with a name of, for your story in one word? Like, for example, courage or freedom? Um, I think it um, should be like one word. I think my story is like a long way home. <laughs> mm. I can call it like that. Because I still see my journey, a long journey home. Um, mm -hmm. Like I still see it like a big journey that leads to my home. And uh, the sense of that is like, I can only get home when something has changed in my country. Some, something has changed um, in my mind as well. So I think everything what I'm doing now is a um, step to to my home, uh, to Belarus as well, because uh, it's my dream to once come back to another country, as I said, European country, safe country. And but the most important, of course, it's not going to happen um, in a short time, but the country that has future and um, perspectives, I think. Mm. Yeah, so I think we can still sh shorten it to the story of home, like home is the, the main <laughs> out of them. Yeah, because I think everything what has happened to me and was ha what has happened to many Belarusians, it's like you can see it differently, you can see it like um, it's our fight for freedom. It's our fight for respect as well. But I think it's also because of love. 
for our country. We just like we realized that our country is amazing, that we are amazing, our people are amazing. Um, that's why we need to do something about that. So it's still it I think it started with home and I'm sure hundred percent it it will end there one day as well. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing uh, about your story, the story of your home. Uh, for those of our listeners who want to get to know a little bit more about your cause and uh, your home as well, uh, is there like any organization uh, whose cause you support, which is related to your country and uh, which you would like that more people know about? Part three, creating synergy. Connecting to the cause. The first organization that I want to mention is like the human rights organization. It's called Vesna. Um, uh, that means spring in Belarusian. And the founder of this organization is now in prison in Belarus. His name is Alice Belatsky. And uh, he's got actually Nobel, Nobel Prize um, in, the, in the previous year for, for this organization. So um, I think just like reading about this organization would be very helpful because um, they're supporting actively political prisoners in Belarus. Uh, they are um, collecting money for people who got out of the prison so that they can maybe leave the country, maybe stay in the country, but get some support for the first time. Um, and I would recommend just to look in the website or just like some social media things. And um, maybe I would also support or mention another organization which is called which is called uh, Politzek. So what is what this organization is doing? Um, they are um, encouraging people to write letters to to political prisoners to send some postcards so that people uh, don't feel alone maybe they're in prison or don't feel forgotten um, they have a great website uh, you can go there you can pick one person and from any country you can just like write a short letter uh, some words even in another language and send it to to Belarus and it doesn't work all the time of course because it's been filtered there in prison all the letters and uh, they don't have access access to all of them but the more you write the higher is the possibility that they will get some um, some letters from outside um, and maybe I can also just like recommend to to I don't know read more about Belarus watch some documentaries um, there are some documentaries from the Deutsche Welle um, some documentaries are also in English uh, there is also like for Russian speakers or Belarusian speakers uh, or those who can who can understand like uh, any of these languages there is also Deutsche Welle uh, Belarus and then just like sh sharing all the news about that about Belarus uh, making some documentaries um, yeah this this would be I think my um, my suggestion and if you want to read for example some uh, Belarusian authors there is very very famous Belarusian author her name is Svetlana Alexievich uh, she also got Nobel Prize, um, I think it was 2014 or 15. Um, some of her books that actually mostly cover the history of um, 
Soviet Union society, so to speak. But um, she's just like one of the most famous authors in Belarus. And some of the others that you can easily get in Germany, for example, because he's been translated um, in German language. His name is Viktor Martinovich. Uh, some of his books that are not always easy, but I think quite good. I just wanted to recommend one movie as well. It's documentary. Um, and uh, it talks about all the things that happened in Belarus in 2020, about the protests, about the whole movement, and it's called Courage uh, in English, and uh, it was also presented in the Berlin uh, Film Festival Festival in 2021, I think, and I think got a prize there as well. So, um, yeah, I'll just recommend to watch that. It's very emotional, uh, but very, very strong movie. Thank you so much. Thank you for recommending so many useful resources and so many organizations which uh, support the cause you believe in. The last question would be, do you have like any quote or phrase that serves as a motivation for you to support others around in your life or maybe can motivate other people? Yeah, I've heard recently one very nice phrase. Um, I don't know whose phrase is that, but I think it's so simple and nice. Um, it's going to be, everything is going to be okay at the end. And if it's not okay yet, then it means that we are not at the end yet. <laughs> So I hope I translated it um, correctly, but it means that don't just don't stop believe in things you are doing. And one day it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And then you can say, I've done everything. I've achieved that. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I think it's very nice. And also about the fact that the end is not just gonna come, but we are the people who will make, who should come to it yeah. and make it happen. So it's very, very nice. And also the fact that uh, in the previous question about organization, you mentioned so many ways in which people can engage with uh, your country and with your story, ranging from uh, support, like writing letters to real people to just watching simple movies. And I think it's also the idea of global citizenship here that you, it's not like there are no requirements to, for you to be a global citizen. You can just watch a movie or you can donate or that, like there is always the big range of things to do. For example, one of examples I noticed uh, from your story, which is like behind the scenes because we didn't talk about it, but your Instagram uh, photo is the Ukrainian flag. It's a little thing which seems like nothing, but actually it's like, it's a huge sign of support. And also, it also shares your story without words in general. And it's also much about global citizenship. And I think it generally shows that it's never about how big our actions are, but also always about our intentions, intentions to be thoughtful, tolerant, and to be a part of community. So not think that we are teachers, or someone who know everything, but respect others around us. And yeah, the intention to challenge our own beliefs and build a true spectrum. And thank you so much for the intention and the choice to come here and be the uh, first one to be get interviewed in this project. And as a small thank you for sharing the story and uh, not just for you, but to every of our participants, our project will be uh, donating a certain amount to the organization of your choice so that we could uh, perpetuate the cause uh, even more and uh, contribute to it. So thank you so much, Jenya. Thank you for coming and contributing to the true spectrum. It truly matters because it helps us create a world where everyone feels seen, understood and valued. And all the best for you. And uh, even though it's hard, as you said, the end must come. 
and will come. And I think that as long as uh, your cause is supported by people like you, it's very, very, very likely to succeed. So all the best to you and... Uh, but just like a remark, it's not like the end, the end of everything will come. Yeah, the, the beginning <laughs> The end of our struggles maybe, or of some dark times or things that are that are not that easy at that time or seem seem to be not that easy. It's gonna end and everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you too.